way more than a simple home improvement. And it's definitely not a do-it-yourself project. What would it look like to give yourself entirely to God and earnestly seek Him in every area of your life? Let God renovate and renew your heart as He makes it His home. When I gave my life to Jesus, I told him, Lord, I want this heart of mine to be yours. I want to have you settle down here and make my heart your home. Everything I have belongs to you. Let me show you around. This week, Jesus asked me if I had a rec room where I went for fun. I was hoping he would not ask about that. There were certain associations and activities that I wanted to keep to myself. One evening, when I was on my way out with some friends, he stopped me with a glance and said, are you going out? I replied, yes. Good, he said. I would like to go with you. Oh, I answered rather awkwardly. I don't think, Jesus, that you would really enjoy where we're going. Let's go out together tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, we'll go to a Bible study at church, but tonight I have another appointment. I'm sorry, he said. I thought that when I came into your home, we were going to do everything together, to be close companions. I just want you to know that I am willing to go out with you. Well, I mumbled, slipping out the door, we will go someplace together tomorrow night. That evening, I felt horrible. What kind of a friend was I to Jesus, deliberately leaving him out of my life, doing things and going places that I very well knew he would not enjoy. When I returned that evening, there was a light in his room, and I went up to talk it over with him. I said, Lord, I have learned my lesson. I know now that I can't have a good time without you. From now on, we'll do everything together. Then we went down into the rec room of the house. He transformed it. He brought new friends, new excitement, new joys. Laughter and music have been ringing through the house ever since. We're continuing uh, our series this morning, My Heart, Christ's Home. And I just want to say before we kind of get into that, um, again, happy Mother's Day. You know, I just want to say this. If it weren't for mothers, none of us would be here. <laughs> like literally, right? So, I mean, right, we could clap for that. There's, ex I mean, you know, God created everything, but moms are pretty much handling most things. So for all the mothers, for the spiritual moms who are mother figures to us, to all of that, I also recognize this is a hard day. I lost my mom, and so there's a lot of things. I just want to say we're so grateful for everybody here. Uh, my name is Danny Unterkoff. I'm the pastor of Community Life. If I don't know you, I'd love to know you. I'm usually in the lobby, so you can stop by and say hi. But let's get to this series, My Heart, Christ's Home. We are talking about this idea of a house with all these different rooms. And the general idea is that God or Christ wants to be part of every part of our home. Think of it like you've got a bunch of rooms, and Christ is like, I want to go open concept. He's trying to knock doors down. But there's places that we kind of keep them away from, right? We don't usually want to talk about this, but it's like, hey, you can hang out in the living room. That's awesome. But like my bedroom, sorry, it's like a locked door. But if Christ is really part of our family, he, there can't be places in our house that he's not allowed to go. 
right? So that's kind of what we've been talking about, and it helps us kind of picture what we're doing here. And if we're Christians in this place this morning, then we've decided that, Christ, I want you to be Lord of my life, right? Amen? Christ, you're Lord of my life. Yeah, right? Thank you. But simultaneously, we're like, oh, I don't know, though. <laughs> There's parts of my life I'm hesitant, right? Not as many amens there. I'll amen myself. Amen, Danny. There's parts of my life where I resist. I'm a little bit reluctant to the Spirit of God to do a work in that place. And so it creates a tension. It's the whole reason why we're doing this series. The Spirit of God wants to have full reign in your life. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do what I hate I do. Confusing, right? The things I really want to do, I sometimes don't do those. And the things I'm like, I am definitely not going to do that. I end up doing those things. Have any of us been there before? Right? There's a few honest people out there. It's confusing, right? I'll give you a couple of silly examples. I really want to be healthy. Everyone wants to be healthy, right? But gosh, I sure love those tacos at Jack in the Box, right? Whatever those things are made of, I want them. And they're keeping me from being healthy, right? Or, hey, I really want to be good about spending money. I don't want to spend as much. But I just love when the Amazon person comes to my house. It's like Christmas, right, every day. So we understand the idea of having a desire that's good, but also simultaneously having a desire that wants to resist that thing. Does that kind of make sense? I hope so. It's as if there's two different people living inside us at the same time. Like we have a split personality, and the truth is there are. And the Bible calls this the flesh and the spirit. Listen to these verses from Paul. This is in Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's this old self, there's this new self, and they're kind of both simultaneously inside us, which is confusing. Another verse from Galatians 5. So I say, walk in the, by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So there's these two things, the flesh and the Spirit, and they don't like each other. And they're at war within all of us. And we are new creations, amen. But that old creation's hanging on. If we go back to the house, right? You got your house, and God's like, my spirit's in it. But then we got this roommate, the flesh. He's the roommate that doesn't pay rent. He's the roommate that doesn't help with utilities. He's the roommate that leaves the toilet seat up, whatever. But you can't get him out somehow. It's really hard to kick people out of your house, right? He just won't go. That's kind of the metaphor that we're dealing with. And today... We've talked about a few rooms. We're talking about the rec room. Um, I don't know if you guys have like a recreation room. We have a room. We call it the back room. I don't know why we call it that. It's just in the back, so it's the back room. And it's got a ping pong table and stuff. But we're talking more about recreation. We're talking about what do we do in these free spaces in our lives? Not when we're working, but on the weekends and at night and when you have free time. 
Is God part of those spaces of your life? The question is, are, is Christ integrated into our life? What is influencing the things that we do on the weekends and all that stuff? Is Christ part of those conversations, right, as we just listened to? If Christ was physically with you in everything that we all did this weekend, how would you feel about that? I know, right? It's hard. I'm nervous, <laughs> right? If he was there, what would he say about what you did or who you hung out with or what you said? And I don't mean this all in bad ways, but just the idea that Christ is with us. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. These are tough questions. I'm as uncomfortable as you are, so we're in a, in a good place. And when you start to think about all these things, what we do at work, what we do outside of work, it all comes down to one place, which is your heart. It's where everything starts. In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The way we live really gets determined by what's in here. And when I really think about heart, I go to one passage in particular. I go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's a passage where God is speaking to the Israelites. Oh, it's already up there. There you go. Thank you, Hannah. Um, and we might as well just read it since it's there. Um, but God is going to say some things about their hearts that I think are very applicable to you and me today. And we're going to read some verses. I'm going to say some stuff. We're going to read, say some stuff. We're going to do that kind of dance today. So I hope you're ready. It's on page 175. And if not, it's on the screens. Here's the word of the Lord today, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So they're getting ready to go into the land. They're not there yet. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commandments that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life here O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. This first section I'm calling it the so that, the so that. These first verses are kind of like a preamble. They're an introduction to what he's going to talk about and the rest of these verses, right? Like I said, they're getting ready to go into the land and Moses is going to say some things so that they understand what is at stake here. There is a lot at stake for the Israelites. And he says that phrase, so that, three separate times. For the purpose of, for the express purpose of, he's telling them these things. See, God's commands are always meant to bless your life here and now. God's commands are meant to bless your life here and now. And now, see, God's commands to the Israelites, it's not arbitrary. It's not random. It's purposeful. There's a reason why God is saying these things. It's not because he's a killjoy. It's not because he's anti-fun. It's because he loves them. We have like a bad feeling about rules. I do too, right? We get weird about rules. Like, don't tell me what to do, you know? But rules can be really, really good for us. They allow us to live the life that God is actually calling us to live. And God wants the Israelites to be in this land for generations and generations and generations. And if we know the story, that doesn't 
quite happen because they don't do what God said. But he wants to bless them. He wants to follow through on his promises. And their ability to be blessed is going to be connected to their ability to obey. And it's the same thing for us, for you and me today. God's rules, commandments, the way that we're called to live, they're for our good. They are for your good. I believe that with all my heart. The best thing that we could do is have Christ be the Lord of our hearts. Amen? It's the best thing. Even when it's challenging, it's the best thing. Right? Being connected to Jesus, I'm convinced, is the best way to be human. There's no other way. I mean, there are other ways. They're just bad. And they lead you down paths that aren't good, and we all know what that feels like because we all struggle in that place. See, we open our hearts to Christ so that God's grace and his love and his mercy can come into us and that it can pour out to other people. Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the nations. Let's keep reading. It's just going to get so good. Starting at verse 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, it's on the screen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them, as, bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Second point, the Shema. Some of you have heard of this, right? Shema means hear. It's the hear, O Israel. If you've done any kind of like Jewish studies or if you know Ryan Bykirk or Matt Piper, they're all about this. And Ryan could do this in Hebrew, but whatever, he's not here. So um, the Shema is the hear. Listen, pay attention to what I'm going to say. The Lord is one. The Lord is one. He's the true God. He's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. And because of this, Moses is going to say, hey, because of who God is, remember the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. He says, listen up here, love the Lord your God. That's the response to who God is, is that we're called to love, right? And in the Hebrew, love is always connected with feeling and action. It's both of those things simultaneously. You can't, if love is just an emotion, it's not love. And if love is only an action and disconnected from heart, then it's not love either. You need both of these things simultaneously together. And what I find really interesting here is it doesn't say this. It doesn't say, uh, heroes or the Lord our God is one. Worship the Lord your God. It doesn't say, obey the Lord your God. It doesn't say, honor the Lord your God. It says, love. Now, all those things are good, and we should absolutely do those things. But God says love because all those other things come out of where our love is in our hearts because God wants this connection to his people. See, the Shema describes the relationship God desires to have with his people. God wants us to love him because God wants our hearts. It's the same thing he wanted in the Old Testament. It's the same thing that Jesus wants for us. He wants your heart. In fact, he bought it with his blood. He wants your heart. He wants your love. 
And when we think of heart in terms of these Hebrew scriptures, heart speaks to thoughts, intentions, feelings. When they talk about soul, they're talking about kind of the seat of your emotions, your passions, your desires, kind of like the deepest parts of you. It's kind of your soul. And if you put that all together, all it means is this. God wants all of you. He wants the totality of your being, all that you are, your heart and your soul and your strength. God's like, I want all of that. Listen to the words of Psalm 103, 1. It says this, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Everything that's like in me, I want to give that to God. That's what God's kind of asking for. But it's still a little bit vague, right? I mean, what does that really mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, that sounds, I'm still not sure how to live that out, right? Maybe you guys get it, but I don't. And it's as if they anticipate that because then they give us all these examples in verses 7 through 9. Some of the examples, okay, practically speaking, impress them on your children. So teach them, recite them, tell them to people. Tell God's commands and his decrees. Find ways to talk about how much you love the Lord your God. Talk about them when you're at home, when you walk around, or maybe when you commute to work. When you go to sleep, when you get up, all over. Tie them as symbols on your hands and foreheads. You know, they actually do that. Jewish people, have you seen like they, the Orthodox, they have little Torah, right? They tie them around. Write them in your homes, right? If we're going to make Jesus the Lord of our hearts, we actually need reminders to do it. We actually need symbols, things to remind us to do that. For example, right, I have a wedding ring. Many of us have them. This is a symbol. This symbol reminds me of a promise and commitment I made to my wife, Kaylin, on July 31st of 2009. I got it. <laughs> 14 years this year. The ring is nothing. It's not one ring to rule them all, right? This isn't the Lord of the Rings. That'd be sweet, but it's not. It's just a regular, I think it's white gold or something. The ring has no power. But when I put it on my finger and I'm working or I'm playing guitar, I'm doing it. I'm supposed to look at it and say, I made a covenant with this beautiful girl I met 14 years ago that I would never leave her. I'd never forsake her. Because guess what? There's going to be times when you want to do those things because we're humans and we're silly and we make bad decisions. So the symbol reminds me of my love for her, right? We're used to these kinds of symbols. I had a friend, I don't know if you guys saw my sweet little tail I got here. Anybody think I had a tail? I have a really good friend, I know. Why my son was like, Dad, what the heck is hanging down from your rear end? Um, a good friend of mine uh, gave me these, and these are kind of like Jewish tassels. And the idea is that you kind of like are walking, and you kind of like, you, could, you touch it, and you remind, you remind you of the law, of the Torah, Reminds you of the scriptures. Reminds you to pray. Right? It, remi- it triggers your mind to do things. We're used to this, right? We have reminders in our phones. And some of us, you know, some of us are better at that than other people. Some people can multitask. Like, my wife can, can do a million things. I can, like, barely do this right now, right? It's hard. I need reminders. We're used to these kinds of things. My question is, do we have reminders for us to connect back to God. Do you have anything in your life, right? I might have an app that reminds me, you know, when the next Laker game is. And they won, by the way. Side note. I know. 
You don't have to clap for that. I want to get in trouble. Don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. But seriously, do I have a reminder that says read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5 every day? I don't. <laughs> I probably should. So we do all these things. Are we ever trying to remind ourselves of the life that's in this book? And I'm saying that to myself, and I'm saying that to all of you here because you're here, and you need to hear it, and so do I. Why does it matter? Let's keep reading. Verses 10 through 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is the why. Why do I need a tassel? I mean, aside from it being super cool, why do I need to be reminded? Because we as humans are so prone to forgetfulness. I'm not even going to take a survey of how many guys in here may have forgotten it was Mother's Day, right? Don't even admit to it. But somebody did, I guarantee it. We forget stuff, right? Even things that are, we know we shouldn't forget, we still forget. Sometimes you even have a reminder. I put stuff in my calendar, and then I don't even look at my calendar. Like, what's the point of that? Anybody done that? Right? It's like, I put it in there, and then I still didn't look at it, and I still missed it. We forget stuff. We're prone to forgetfulness, and we need reminders. See, here's what I think happens and what God's getting at in this passage. We go to school. We graduate school. We meet somebody maybe, and then we get a house, and we get settled in, and maybe we have some kids, and then maybe you get a dog, and you get a cat. And then you get a turtle, and then you get a goldfish, and then you get a hamster, and then the hamster passes away, so you get another one that looks the same, right? And then you get solar, and you get all this stuff, right? And none of it's bad. Hamsters are really cool. Um, but it starts to take up so much space in our lives, and we are prone to forget the God who gave us all of it. We're prone to forget, not even because we're trying to forget, but because we just do. Life gets so busy. I just talked to someone before service, an older generation, and he said, we're busier than we've ever been. I heard that, and I was like, oh, my gosh. That's, that's the last thing I wanted to hear, right? Because we're just busy. There's always stuff. It's always happening. Hear this. One of the most damaging things we can do in our lives is forget what God has done for us. One of the most damaging things that I can do is forget all that God has done for me. The moment I forget that, everything gets off course. The moment I forget that, all of that recreation time, that becomes my time. 
my life becomes all about me so quickly when we forget. See, God had, if we remember the Exodus, he'd revealed himself to the Israelites. Remember, they're enslaved. They, They are stuck. They got nowhere to go. And God reveals himself to them. He's like, I'm Yahweh. I am who I am. And he sends Moses, right? And he delivers them through these crazy, I mean, the Exodus story is so insane. All this cool stuff happens. He's parting red seas. He's doing stuff with frogs. And there's all these miracles happening. There's bread coming from heaven. There's quail everywhere. Their shoes don't wear out. It's a nutso story. It's absolutely amazing. And then what he does, he say, I'm going to give you a land that you didn't work for. There's going to be all these fields in there. There's going to be all these groves that you didn't work for. All these cities that you didn't build, they get to be yours. And he says to them, you better be careful when you get comfortable that you do not forget the Lord because you will be tempted to forget. And I would say to us, we are in a very similar situation. See, we are inheritors of all this stuff these generations before us have done. People who've worked so hard in this country pave this way for us. We inherit the blessings of things they paid for, some of them with their very lives. Right? We are blessed, and generally, I'm, I'm speaking very generally, generally, we live in excess. We have extra money, even if it's a little bit. We can go on vacations. We can think about what we want to do for the two days off we have during the weekend. Right? This is things that generations before, they're like, what? You get a day off? <laughs> That's crazy. We generally live in excess. We are blessed. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. I'm saying that if we're not careful, they can start to take our heart away if we're not paying attention. If we're not loving God with our heart and our soul and our strength, those things want to take our attention. And with this in mind, God gives this warning to Israel. And I'm saying to me, and I'm throwing you guys in there too, (laughs) be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Don't forget where you came from. Right? Don't forget who you were apart from Christ. They weren't supposed to forget. I'm pretty sure that we're not supposed to forget. Don't forget who redeemed you, God says to the Israelites. God was the one who took them out of slavery. It wasn't them. And God has redeemed you as well. We're redeemed by grace through faith It's a gift of God and is all because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing that we can do to deserve that. He did all of it. Do not forget who saved you and who is continuing to save you. It's God. You guys are great, but you can't save yourselves. And neither can I. And so the Israel says, don't forget what you've been called to. You've been called to go live The Israelites are supposed to be a blessing to the nation. All of us, God has saved us, if we have our trust in Christ, to do something. 
He wants us to preach the gospel. He wants us to live generously so that more people will be pulled into his love, so that more people would understand the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Do not forget where you came from. Don't forget who saved you. Do not forget what you have been called to. Why? Because we're so prone to forget. And I'll be the first to admit that. I forget. We need reminders. I, um, this is something I worry about in my own life. So I went, Kaylin and I, my wife went through a season where we just didn't have hardly anything. And uh, I won't go into the details of all of it, but it was just a, for a number of years, it was a really difficult season. I mean, month to month, I was like, I have no idea if we're going to pay for anything. It was crazy. And um, it was so hard. It was embarrassing in ways, you know. Um, but we were so dependent on God. It's like our hearts were so connected because if we weren't, we were like going to evaporate. You know, like we, God had to be everything, and he showed up. And then, you know, maybe you guys have had similar experiences where you've you had that, right? And then life changes. You know, maybe you get a new job, and God works these things out, and, and I get so worried now that we're in a different season. I don't want to forget. I'm so worried that I'm not going to be grateful. Because the moment I'm not grateful, it's like you put a plug on the grace of God in your life. When you're grateful... Man, everything I have is God's. All my time is God's. And so I can give it away to other people. But if I'm not grateful and I start to think that somehow I did something to get all this stuff, I become a hoarder. Have you guys seen those shows? Oh my gosh, we watched one a couple weeks ago. It is nuts, the stuff people keep. Like 10,000 boxes of cereal and stuff, which is kind of cool. But right, all this stuff. And you're like, how could somebody get to be like that? And it's like, that could happen to any one of us. We may not do it physically, but we could hoard things spiritually. We could hoard, I could hoard my forgiveness. I'm not giving that to you. You don't deserve that. I could hoard my grace. I could hoard mercy. I'm so afraid. I don't want to forget. Crosspointers, I do not want any of you to forget what God has done in your life. Remember. Believe what God has done. And extend that same stuff to other people. See, material wealth, possessions, all the stuff, all the busyness, all the hamsters and all that stuff, it can distract us and it can create unhealthy attitudes in our hearts that ultimately kind of can shift our focus away from God. And that's why we're called to love Jesus with our heart and our soul at the core of who we are. Because when our core is impressed with who God is, we are less likely to forget him. Right? If my kid is, if Wyatt or Graham is constantly talking to me or asking me for something, it is really hard to forget about them when they're just like right there the whole time. You know? It's on my mind. But if something's not on your mind, you're prone to forget. Everything flows from our hearts. All right, let's read the last section. Verse 13 Fear the Lord your God, serve him only. And take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you. We're not going to focus so much on God's anger burning against you. 
talk about that in another sermon. But God is among you. That's what he says to the people. The Lord your God who is among you. See, the call to remember God and to love him all things, it matters because of this. God is already with us. So here's what happens. What I could do is talk about Hey, we need to take God into all these areas in our life, right? If you're busy, you got to take God into your busyness. You know, take God into your weekends. And those things are true, and I understand what we're saying. But the reality is he's already there. God is with you. You may not know it. (laughs) That's interesting. But he's with you. God's already there because the Spirit lives inside us. We don't need to take God with us as we go out. We need to remember that he is already with us, which is why we need reminders and different stuff. That's why people tattoo stuff on People are trying to find ways to remember who God is. Because we need to remember that he's with us. Let me say this. One of the things we do when we comfort people, if someone is going through a hard time, what would we say to them? God is with you, right? Someone's suffering. Brother, God is with you, and he is. It's so powerful. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you. We say this. It's powerful. It means so much. But you also could say to someone else who's doing things they shouldn't be doing, Hey, God is with you. Not as fun. Rebuking, right? Hey, God is with you when you fill in the blank. I don't like that one as much. I'll be honest with you. I like the comfort. I like, God is with you, brother. I don't like that. God is with you, brother or sister. Right? But it can't just be that one is true. (laughs) If God's with us, he's with us. And it's comforting, and it's challenging. Yep, it's both. See, God's with us wherever we go. It's comforting, it's challenging, but if we want Christ to be Lord of our hearts, we have to start to learn to realize that he's already there with us. And I guarantee you, if you were to keep somehow, keep at the forefront of your mind that God is with you, it will 100% affect the decisions you make. Oh man, it will. I was trying it this week. It is tough. (laughs) Oh man, I failed miserably. But, you know, it really will affect. If you're going to go do something, think, you know, it's kind of like, remember the what would Jesus do bracelets? It's kind of some of that idea, right? It's, man, if God is standing here right with me, how am I going to respond in this conversation I'm having? It, it, it will change the way you're thinking about things. If Jesus is right here with me and I'm talking to someone who's going through pain, it's going to change maybe the mercy and what I would do. It goes both ways. This isn't all negative stuff. It creates more compassion and mercy in our hearts. I want to share with you just a number of verses that came to mind about God being with us in in a couple different ways, okay? So there's tons of scriptures, but I'm going to give you kind of four that really resonated with me. Uh, Psalm 139, sorry, verse 7. You can just listen to this. 
Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. There is nowhere that we can go that God is not there. Another verse from Matthew. I read this last week when we did the baptisms. The Great Commission Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God is with you. He is with us always. Romans chapter 8. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, like nothing, <laughs> will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is absolutely incredible. Nothing can separate us from his love. One more. Matthew chapter 25. This is a parable that Jesus is giving about the sheep and the goats. And he's kind of talking about people who honored him in the way that they lived and maybe those who didn't. And he says this in verse 27. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see, when did we see the hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? When did we do these things? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Christ is with us in all that we do. He's with us when we're gracious to people. He's with us when we're not. He's with us when we show mercy. And he's there when we pass by people. He's there in all of those things. We need to recognize that Christ is with us all the time. See, in the Old Testament, even their day off, the Sabbath, right, the Sabbath day, wasn't their time. It wasn't my time to relax. That was God's day. The Sabbath belongs to Jesus Christ. Even their day of rest was his and so we have to think about everything that we have belongs to God. And all of it for us is really tied to our hearts. It's tied to how we love and what we love. It all comes back to our hearts. See, our recreation time, the things we're going to do after church today, are connected to the types of thing that we love. They just are, which is why the Shema goes after our hearts. You don't go after your actions first. You go after what's causing us to take those actions because out of the heart, all these things go. So we have to think about our hearts. Now, as we close, I really want to say this. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here today. I'm not saying you can't go have fun. I love my weekends and my friends and the things I do just as much as everybody here. This is not a, here's a list of things you shouldn't do, although, you know, there's probably a list that you shouldn't do. 
But that's not my point. My point is I want us to think about what would it be like if we remembered that Christ was with us all the time. If we did, I bet you your life would be better. And I dare you to take that bet. I'm not saying it won't be challenging. (laughs) It will be. And it might be hard in some ways too. But it will be the best way to be human. I guarantee you. I, I promise you that. What do we do? You know, if you want to kind of get a test of where your heart's at, on a, when you have a day off, you have no responsibilities, you can do whatever you want. Is God or Christ even part of that conversation? It will start to tell you kind of like what's really sitting in your heart. And what are you doing to remember that Jesus is with you? If you don't have any markers in place, I want to encourage you to get some. Do something to try to remind yourself of how much God loves you and the love he wants back from you. It will change your life. If we want Christ to be Lord of our lives, then take to heart the words of the Shema. Here, Cross Point Church, the Lord our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that God gives today are to be on your hearts. For if Christ's home is in your heart, then he will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your scriptures, God. We thank you for these words that were written so long ago that you wrote through Moses to the Israelites that we read today and they speak to us because they are full of life. Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us. And we thank you that you want to be connected to us. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to live inside our hearts. And you want the best for us. And you give us instructions on how to live because you love us, God, because you also want other people to come to know you. And so, God, I pray that we would walk away from this place thinking of you, knowing that you are with us, God, in all that we do. We don't have to take you with us. You are already there, God. Help us to keep you so at the core of our hearts. Help us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And if we can do that, God, I know that we will enjoy the life that you've given us even more. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.